What is that little extra thing that makes the ordinary extraordinary? I believe it is the presence of God. At Christmas, God came into our ordinary world in the form of a child. In this season of hope and anticipation, as we eagerly await Christ's birth and Christ's return, God is still at work in and through the ordinary stuff of life. This Advent season at Second Presbyterian, we will begin a sermon series titled Advent in Plain Sight. Roughly based on a devotional written by Jill Duffield, we will connect everyday objects with the biblical text and find holy meaning and holy moments. We hope this Advent season will be an extraordinary one that allows us all to see God in and through ordinary things. Please pray with me. Holy God, Word made flesh, let us come to your Word, open. Quiet our hearts, banish our assumptions, cast out our casual detachment, penetrate the corners of our hearts and minds with your Holy Word. We know that you can. We pray that you will. Amen. Our first scripture reading comes from Psalm 51. It's found on page 458 of your Pew Bible if you would like to follow along. And I'll actually only be reading verses 6 through 12. So hear these words of Psalm 51, beginning with verse 6. You desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Our second reading comes from the Gospel of Luke. It may be a familiar one this time of year, particularly if you worshiped with us on Christmas Eve. This is found on page 828 of your Pew Bible. And hear these words one more time from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. 
When they saw this, they made known what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This fall, the podcast Radio Lab shared an episode about a tiny, endangered butterfly. The species of butterfly is small, roughly the size of a quarter, and it exists only in a small region of North Carolina. To quote the host, this story is about a tiny, fragile critter doing its best to survive in a hostile world and whether we should let it live or die. As far as anyone knows, Fort Bragg Military Base in North Carolina is the only habitat for the species of butterfly called the St. Francis satyr. Some years ago, due to its endangered species status, the base was forced to call in an expert in conservation to make sure this butterfly survived. An enormous amount of work ensued. Grad students counted and recorded these tiny creatures. They tracked their whereabouts and food sources. Experts diverted beaver dams to make sure the grass the caterpillars ate weren't being flooded. They made sure fires didn't start in the meadows where the butterflies had been spotted. But no matter what steps were taken, the population declined anyway. Finally, the chief conservationist decided he needed to take a look at the only place on the base they had not yet searched, the artillery field. Now this is a huge expanse of land and it's been off limits to people for years. It's where weapons and bombs are tested. No one had legally been through this space in well over a hundred years. But for the sake of this endangered butterfly, the base allowed it. The conservationist and his guide walked through a literal minefield. With his eyes to the air looking for this tiny winged creature, and the guide's eyes steady on the ground, ensuring they didn't encounter any undetonated weapons, they pushed on. Finally, the team reached an untouched wetland area. When they arrived, they were shocked to find that the place was thriving with wildlife. They heard a cacophony of birds around them. Green grasses grew. Countless orchids and other rare plants were everywhere they turned. And thousands of the St. Francis Seder butterfly, right where they least expected. For years, the base, the conservationist, and his team of experts had gone to great lengths to make sure these tiny butterflies survived. There'd been no practical reason to save them. They aren't pollinators or a food source for any particular animal. There was no practical reason to save them, except for the fact that there are so few left in the world anymore. The episode ends with a question, so why should we care? This is a question that's been on my mind. Why should we care? Why should we care about the story of a tiny baby 
born in a stable. There's no practical reason anyone would have noticed him, born to a lowly family, snuggled amidst the straw. Shepherds were among the lowliest of people. There was no bed for them either. They slept in the open, keeping an eye on the sheep. There was no practical reason why anyone would listen to them. Why should we care? Teenage parents, traveling for a census, looking for hospitality, and finding it in the place where the animals slept. There's no practical reason history would remember them. Why should we care? The gospel makes it clear. Because God cares. In this tiny, wriggly baby, God offered them a gift, a future, a hope, and a time when hope was as endangered as the St. Francis Seder butterfly. And so the shepherds followed the direction the angels gave. They found the lowly baby with his lowly family. And they told his mother all that they had seen and heard. She's been on quite a journey these nine months. The angel Gabriel told this young unwed woman that she was going to have a child. She traveled miles to see her cousin Elizabeth to have her confirm the angel's prediction. Now Mary and Joseph had to travel to Bethlehem for a census for the purpose of taxes. How ordinary. Were you to pass her on the street, would you even notice? Why should you care? This young woman, this teenage girl, has held a lot in these nine months. And now strangers, shepherds from the field, arrive in the middle of the night to tell her what they have seen and heard. It is so much for her to hold. Luke tells us Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. For years, I've read this line and I've considered a young Mary passively gazing up toward heaven, sweetly considering all this occurred and all that she's been told. But the Greek word for ponder is more interesting than that. It's not a passive verb. It comes from the word sumbalo. Balo means to throw. We hear it in parable, balo. And sum means with. So ponder means something to do with, to throw with to throw together. Mary ponders. She considers all the things that have been thrown together, thrown at her in these last days, these last months. And she wonders what on earth could all this mean for her and her baby? How many things have been thrown at us, thrown together in these last 21, 22 months? It's not all solved. And so we ponder, we look and consider. Where is God still showing up in our world? Can we pause long enough to see, to recognize the places where heaven and earth are touching? Can we remember that in the midst of our ordinariness, brokenness, the creator of the universe intrudes? Sometimes there's so much being thrown at us, it can feel overwhelming. 
We can wonder whether anyone cares, whether God cares. Sometimes with the weight of things we wonder, what's the point? Why bother masking if we're all going to get the virus anyway? Why bother recycling or conserving if the giant corporations in the world are dumping waste and blasting through resources without a care for the future? Why bother caring for our neighbor when our neighbor seems to only look out for himself anyway? Does it really matter how I live? A poor teenage mother's heart, a tiny fragile Jesus, a baby whose story we've gone to great lengths to protect. Why should we care? Does this story serve any purpose any longer? The short answer to all these questions is, of course, yes. Yes, it matters. It matters because it matters to God. God has always cared about the lonely. God has always looked out for the vulnerable. Time and again, God uses the lowly and the ordinary to reach out to the created in unfamiliar and unexpected ways. Like the scientists and conservationists and soldiers seeking out that tiny St. Francis Seder butterfly. Like Mary, listening and pondering, we learn to pay attention to the ways God may speak, whether through angels or lowly shepherds. We learn to treasure up these holy moments where God appears in the least likely of places. We learn to ponder in our hearts the mysteries of our circumstances and God's presence and God's call. No road, no life is without twists and turns, detours and dead ends. But when we remain open, we'll be surprised that we may find hope where we thought there was no hope. We may find life where we couldn't imagine life could thrive. Madeline LaEngle writes of the surprising ways God breaks in. Please receive this reading of her poem, First Coming. He did not wait till the world was ready, till people and nations were all at peace. He came when the heavens were unsteady, and prisoners cried out for release. He did not wait for the perfect time. He came when the need was deep and great. He dined with sinners in all their grime, turned water into wine. He did not wait till hearts were pure. In joy he came to a tarnished world of sin and doubt, to a world like ours of anguished shame. He came, and his light would not go out. He came to a world which did not mesh, to heal its tangles, shield its scorn. In the mystery of the word made flesh, the maker of the stars was born. We cannot wait till the world is sane to raise our songs with joyful voice or to share our grief and touch our pain. He came with love. Rejoice, rejoice. Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus.